So that's kind of more or less what that is not going to affect a lot of us, but any high income earners, that's a huge change that's going to essentially double the taxable income for a lot of people. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with $1 million to $100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template Should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal? So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome back to another edition of the Actively Passive Investing Show. I'm Theo Hicks. As always, I'll be speaking with Travis Voss. Travis, how are you doing today? Theo, doing great as always. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Yeah, thank you, Travis, for joining us. Best of your listeners, thank you for tuning in. And today, we are going to be talking about taxes. So Travis put together a really detailed blog post about Biden's proposed tax plan. So the blog post is entitled, The Top 10 Changes for Real Estate Investors Under the Biden Tax Plan. And so as always, Travis is going to talk about why he wrote this blog post, which I think is probably pretty obvious to listeners. And then we're going to go over each of these 10 points and the different things you can potentially expect from this tax plan. So Travis, as always, why did you write this blog post? 
<laughs> Great point. Well, I kind of did this actually as more of a special report, right? This kind of was on a whim in addition to the regular blogs that I do. I just felt it's timely, it's important. And to our listeners, being mostly real estate investors, this is something everybody should be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. As you pointed out, Theo, this is a tax proposal. That does not mean this is the way that it is. It doesn't mean everything we talk about on the show will happen. There's still a lot of steps that have to be taken to put these into effect. But I just wanted to take the Biden tax plan, which was released publicly for everyone to view. I extracted each component that was relevant to real estate investors. And I just threw it in a little report that's easy to read. That's just one through 10 and just want to help people out that way. So that's kind of why I put it together. So I guess what we can do is just go through these 10. I'll announce kind of what each one is, how it works, that kind of thing. And then I'll turn it over to you if you've got any thoughts or comments on it. And we'll take it from there. Yeah, just before you begin, a lot of the yeah. things we're going to talk about, if you just Google Joe Fairless Taxes, we have a couple of blog posts that talk about taxes from the perspective of the passive investor. And so things that we're going to talk about today, like bonus depreciation and capital gains and 1031 exchanges and things like that. Since this is a half an hour show, we're not going to be able to go into the history on those and what specifically they mean and go over a bunch of examples. And so for more information on that, check out those blog posts we have on our blog. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Additionally, Theo and I did a show recently on Tom Wheelwright's book, Tax-Free Wealth, where we go into the reasons why a lot of real estate and business owners get the tax advantages, why that is, how that works, what those numbers are. So that's a great coupling with this episode here mm -hmm. today. So essentially, let's just start from a high level. So Donald Trump passed the Tax and Jobs Act in 2017. This was a huge incentive for both real estate investors, investors in general, and businesses. It was basically just a lot of various tax advantages that you could take a part in, okay? And it was to stimulate, obviously, the economy and the stock market and everything else. Long story short, what's happening right now is the Biden plan essentially wants to repeal it in a matter of words, not every single component, not all. And there's some added tweaks that have been put into the Biden plan, but essentially that's being taken away. So not great news <laughs> for real estate investors, but we'll go through, I'll try to leave opinions out on this. And I just want to go through the facts of, mm -hmm. of what's being proposed. So let's jump into the top 10. So the first one would be the elimination of bonus depreciation. That is something that came from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So what this is in relation to real estate investors is everything that you do as far as improvements on real estate has a lifespan according to the IRS. When you buy a refrigerator, when you put in plumbing and piping, cabinetry, carpet, the IRS has defined lifespans for these that you can depreciate them over time, right? So they're going to lose their value over that lifespan, even though that lifespan may not be exact. That's how depreciation works. So what bonus depreciation is, is just to use one example, landscaping improvements on a property, meaning if we buy an apartment building or we buy a single family home and we're improving the landscaping, so we're planting trees and bushes and gardening right outside the front for the curb appeal, that has a lifespan of 
15 years, just as an example. So what happened prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is that you would have to take the cost of all of those improvements and write them off over a 15-year period, pro rata, each year. That's what you get in depreciation. This bonus depreciation allows you to take 100% of that. Let's say we spent $10,000 in landscaping. We can write off $10,000 all in the first year of ownership on the property. So what that's done, long story short, is when you file your taxes, it can be quite incredible. One thing, by the way, I forgot to mention before I jumped into all of this is that Theo and I, by the way, are not CPAs or tax advisors or licensed professionals. So please do seek licensed advice. All I'm doing here is taking what was made available publicly as far as the Biden plan. And I'm just relaying components of that, how that Mm -hmm. pertains to real estate as far as All the ins and outs, I'm no expert on this by any means, so just please note that. So that's number one. That would potentially be removed, making the tax advantages of real estate investing a little less lucrative than what they have been. And one more disclaimer on that point, that was to expire anyway, I think in 2023 under the Trump plan. So that wasn't going to be a forever thing, but it's been quite nice as a full-time real estate investor to have those tax advantages, especially for the high income earners that we work with that are our passive investors. So any thoughts on that, Theo? I would just say that there's a distinction between the bonus depreciation and then the accelerated depreciation that comes from a cost segregation. It sounds like for bonus depreciation, again, not a CPA. For cost segregation, you need to bring in a specialist to do this for you. It's Mm -hmm. kind of the same thing where rather than depreciating something over the useful life of the property, which I think is like 27 and a half years or something like that, it kind of accelerates that and reduces it to a shorter time frame, which increases the, the depreciation, which is one of the major reasons why people invest in real estate, because it'll lower their taxable income. So this is not the same as that. So it's not saying that you're not able to do cost segregations anymore. It's just that this new bonus depreciation might go away. That's correct. Thank you for distinguishing that. The cost seg stays done by third parties, very frequently happening in the syndication space, private yep. placements, things like that. Okay. Number two is a possible elimination, this one shocked me, of 1031 exchanges. This is a very popular, widely used tax strategy among real estate investors. This has been in place, by the way, since 1921. And for those that may not be familiar, a 1031, just to use a simple example, I buy a single family house for 100000 today. I improve it. I hold it a few years, and now it's worth 200000 I sell it, well, then I would have a $100,000 gain that I'd have to pay long-term capital gains tax on. A 1031 would allow me to not have to pay that tax, at least not right now. And I could exchange that property. I could essentially sell it and buy something like kind or larger and kick the can down the road as far as having to pay those taxes. And where the strategy really works well for a lot of people that do this, it's more of an estate planning strategy because if you kick the can and kick the can and kick the can, you're just 1031ing over and over and over and over. And then one day you pass away when you're 90 years old, whoever inherits that last property that you're holding gets a step-up basis, which we'll talk about that in another one of these bullet points where they also don't owe all of that back tax that you never paid. So it truly can be a tax-free strategy for a lifetime. So it's really a huge thing. And with the possible elimination of that, that's going to be a game changer in real estate. Any thoughts, Theo? 
Yeah, I would say the way I would think about this is that, first of all, if you've been doing the 1031 for a long time, and maybe you start off a $100,000 property and not even a million dollar property, maybe the business plan was to sell within the next two or three years. Maybe consider, assuming this goes through, I don't think it'll be like an immediate thing. You'll have a date. Maybe consider figuring out a way to get into a property that you can, as Travis mentioned, hold on to a lot longer. So at least you can kind of kick the can down a little bit longer down the road as opposed to waiting until this happens and then selling it and then having to pay a ton of money in taxes. And so I think here's just a planning thing where you figure out, okay, how many properties do I have 1031? Is there a way to figure out how to get that into a big apartment that I can hold on to for a long time? Or at least spending a little bit longer, maybe you 1031 every five years or something, cutting your current period a little bit shorter, 1031 again, and then holding out for the next four to five years and see what happens. That's probably the strategy there. Very good. Thanks for sharing. Our number three is a proposal to raise the long-term capital gains tax rate on people making more than a million dollars per year. So why I point this out is long-term capital gains and short-term capital gains are very applicable to real estate and investing. So how this would work is we have tax-favored brackets for investors, as we talked about before in Tom Wheelwright's book. And why that is, is because we're helping provide housing and we're doing what the government needs done and and these kinds of things. So anytime you're going to invest in the United States in some capacity long-term, there's going to be a tax advantage tied to that. So this probably won't affect a ton of people, being that you have to earn over a million a year. But quite a few people that I speak with in my net worth that it is going to affect. So how this works right now, as it stands, the top bracket for long-term capital gains tax is 20%, but there's a caveat. There's also something called the net investment income tax of 3.8%, which came in from the Obama presidency. So technically that would mean 23.8%. So here's something to think about. A lot of CEOs, as one example, are paid through stock options, and it's because of the tax-favored treatment. So a lot of CEOs take a lot less than a W-2 salary because of all of the employment taxes and the tax brackets, and instead, they'll get millions of dollars of shares. They'll hold them more than a year, and as they need liquidity and money, they'll sell off, and they'll pay essentially half the tax, sometimes even less, and that's been the name of the game. Mm -hmm. So what this is going to do is really hurt a lot of CEOs who notoriously make more than a million dollars per year. And what this proposal would do is take that 23.8% top bracket rate and raise it all the way up to 43.4%. And that's at the federal level. You still have a state income tax that's applicable if you're in a state, especially like a California or New York, that's very high. So essentially it's like over a 50% tax that a lot of high income earners will be paying. So that's kind of more or less what that is not going to affect a lot of us, but any high income earners, that's a huge change. That's going to essentially double the taxable income for a lot of people. Yeah. I don't think I have anything to add to that one. Okay. Gotcha. Now what we alluded to earlier about the 1031 exchange strategy, where one day you pass away, someone inherits your property. They don't know the tax either. So there's now a proposal to take away that step-up basis. Hmm. So let's think about this. So if we have a parent or parents that maybe bought a a single family home to live in in the 70s, they paid $50,000, and then today it's worth $500,000. 
the way that would work is if they were to pass away and then grant you or I that property as the beneficiary, we would get a step up basis, meaning that that property would be valued at 500K. And if we were to sell it tomorrow, we wouldn't have any taxable gain because as we inherited it, the basis stepped up to 500 and it's worth 500. So it's a tax-free sale. With the elimination of that step-up basis, now we would have a taxable gain of $450,000 upon receiving that property, mm. which is just incredibly crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to leave my opinions <laughs> out, but that's crazy. So that's one proposal there which obviously that's another estate planning strategy. Something to think about. A lot of people don't think about that because it's about death. You're technically not paying yourself that tax, but hey, someone is. So you're able to leave a lot less to other people. Any thoughts? This is like the price is right tax. I'm right to watch the price is right all the time. And I didn't realize <laughs> that if someone won a car, <laughs> they have to pay taxes on that car. So they win this thing like, oh, I got a free car. But then they pay a bunch of taxes on that car. I always thought that was funny. It's like, oh, I won, but then, oh, I, I can't afford the taxes. So now the car is gone. Yeah. You can't even afford to get a free car. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So besides that price is rice tax, I don't have anything to add to that <laughs> one either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Number five, let's talk about a little bit of good news here. So mm -hmm. there's a proposal to re-implement a first-time homebuyer tax credit. I'm pretty interested in this one because in 2009, I was the recipient of a program that had a first-time homebuyer tax credit. That's how I bought my first property. So at the time, it was an $8,000 tax credit. And the way that that one worked, that was to re-stimulate the housing market after the Great Recession, right? That was the purpose behind it. This one's a little bit different. Because our housing market's done so well and it's so strong and it really isn't in shambles, at least not today, we don't need to re-stimulate the housing market today, but the problem now has become is millennials and young homebuyers can't afford houses. When they're 500,000, a million bucks in some of these bigger cities, it becomes very difficult to purchase a house. So the Biden tax plan is proposing a $15,000 first-time homebuyer credit. And what I like about this is unlike the one that I received, I had to actually come up with all the money up front, go to closing, do the down payment, make the deal happen. Then eight weeks later, they sent me a check for eight grand. This one will be received at the closing table. So wow. you don't actually have to retroactively receive that back. You're going to get it right up front. And that makes sense, right? If affordability is the issue, well, then you can't afford it. <laughs> so that's kind of the change there. So that's a great one. I really think highly of that particular aspect to the Biden tax plan. Any thoughts on that, Theo? Yeah, so assuming a 3.5% down payment, that's like a $420,000 house. So I think it said in the blog post is up from 8,000, so about double. Um, so yeah, this is, again, I'm just thinking from an active perspective, this is great news for fix and flippers because you're gonna have that many more end buyers on the back end, assuming that the property meets the requirements for, I'm assuming this is through FHA requirements. That's a great point, though, that you bring up. So unfortunately, with a lot of these tax proposals, we don't have all the details because they're not real yet. They're not actually going into effect. So we don't know all the stipulations. I was reading one article that said it could be up to 15000 So maybe there's going to be a caveat there. FHA, VA, there's different things. I don't know, to right. be honest. Nobody knows. But to your point, it's definitely going to help no matter how you finance. Maybe it's only available to owner-occupants or maybe you can use it as an investor. I don't know. 
So we'll have to wait and see, but generally speaking, it is going to allow a lot of access to home ownership at the younger levels. And house hacking too. This would be great for house hacking. You may see house hack sends $0 down, but if it's up to, there's probably, as you mentioned, some requirements for the person bar. That's definitely good news. Yeah, that's great news. Number six, and this one gets really complicated, so I'm just going to keep it high level, but they're looking to phase out the QBI, which is the Qualified Business Income Deduction. That was part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act as well. So basically, anybody making over 400000 per year, this is where you can basically deduct 20% of your qualified business income for tax purposes. Could apply to real estate or businesses or real estate businesses. But that was just one additional great extra tax advantage for business owners and potentially real estate investors. So that may be taken away or phased out, at least for the higher income earners. Yeah, I think it was the most recent best real estate investing advice ever conference. Maybe it was two times ago. I can't remember. But someone gave a presentation on QBI here in a business and something like it was pretty complicated. <laughs> it is. I didn't really understand it, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Anyone checking out the blog, I put a lot of hyperlinks in this blog because mm-hmm. these topics just go on and on and on with research. So click the hyperlink, learn what QBI means, figure it out. Mm-hmm. There <laughs> <So>. you go. <laughs> okay. Number seven, Trump did something pretty interesting as far as the estate tax. He raised it to 11.18 million per individual. So if you pass away and basically $11 million in assets individually, there's no estate tax that's due. And as a married couple, obviously that doubles, so $22 million. Mm -hmm. So quite high, probably historically, maybe the highest ever, I don't know. But that was a huge change. So Biden has proposed, let's take that back down to $5 million. So now we're looking at, in a lot of cases, with accredited investors, real estate investors, that you may be thinking now about state tax possibilities, especially obviously older folks, hopefully Mm -hmm. (laughs) not the younger folks, but these are the things guys back to the stoicism stuff that we talked about a few weeks ago, but there's so much out of your control. These are things you can never predict. When are you going to pass away? Nobody knows. And what are the rules going to be at that time? We don't know. But for anyone who's an elderly real estate investor, this is definitely something to consider that you got more than a 50% cut to the estate tax. Any thoughts on that? No, I don't think so. Okay. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Here's a huge one. And one of the biggest is raising the corporate tax rate to 28%. So we had some of the highest corporate tax rates. And when I say corporate tax rate, I'm talking primarily about C corporations, which are most publicly traded companies. So we had a 35% tax on C corps before Trump came into office. He lowered that down to 21%, which was incredible. That's a huge shift, obviously, right? That's almost a 50% cut, which was a lot of the stimulation that we saw in the stock market and all that before COVID. Well, now the Biden plan is looking to bring it back to 28. So not back to where it was, not a complete repeal, but hey, we're in a recession now. A lot of companies are hurting bad. And now we're looking at raising taxes on them on top of that. So just be aware of that and figure out what that means for you and your portfolio. We'll have to see. Then also, in addition to that, there's going to be a minimum uh, 15% tax on corporations that have profits over $100 million or higher because one of the big problems that's been happening is U.S. corporations headquartering in foreign countries that have a 0% tax. And so therefore, they could make millions, if not billions of dollars and pay no taxes here in the U.S. So that would change 
with at least a 15% minimum tax for U.S. corporations. So that's a pretty big one, more in relation to the stock market, but wanted to point that out. Yeah. One thing that kind of related to this a little bit, just doing a show on qualifying markets, I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but it's really good just to make sure in general, whatever market you're investing in, that you're keeping your finger on the pulse of companies moving in and out of that area, because that has a huge impact on real estate in that area. Really, no matter what asset class you're in, for apartments, obviously, the more companies there, the more jobs, the more jobs, the more people have work, the more people have work, the more they can pay their rent. So not necessarily saying this is going to affect that either way, but just kind of a general piece of advice is to set up a Google alert. So just go to Google, send a little dot, dot, dot at the top right hand corner of the screen. And one of them is alerts and you can set up alerts, type in your city name. So like Cincinnati plus businesses, Cincinnati unemployment, Cincinnati new businesses, Cincinnati Fortune 500. And that way every day you'll get emailed any new articles that reference businesses. So is a business leaving? Is a business moving? Is a business expanding? That's not going to have immediate impact. Like, oh, a business is coming here. Rents went up a hundred dollars, but it's more of something just to be aware of for the future strength of that market. Yep. Great point. Appreciate you pointing that out. The last two, nine and 10, I only put them in because we have a lot of high income earners that we work with in the syndication space. And this could be applicable to a lot of people. You probably heard Biden talk a lot about no tax change for anyone making less than 400K per year. Well, in some ways that's true. In some cases that's not. But anyway, Number nine is raising the top federal income bracket back to 39.6%, which is what it was before. Trump had reduced that down to 37. So not a huge difference, 2.6%, but that could affect a lot of people. So just know if you're a high income earner, there's one more tax to put on top of it and with CEOs and everybody else. Number 10 is a social security tax would be kicked back in. So the way it works right now, I didn't even know this, by the way, this was kind of interesting, but there's the 12.4% social security tax that we pay on earned income when you're a W-2 wage earner. Well, after you make $137,700 in a year, that tax drops off. You quit paying it. Well, what this proposal says is, yeah, it still drops off at 137.7%, But if you're making 400K or more, it comes back into play again. So anyone Mm. making 500K a year or a million a year, they're going to be paying that tax again on the second half of their income earnings. These are just subtle things to think about. But all in all, man, if you're a high income earner, look out. (laughs) Look out for this tax plan. So that's all 10. As I said, the last two are really just applicable to high income earners. But for the most part, these were the real estate related things that I could extract out of that plan. Any other thoughts, Theo? No, just kind of what you said in the beginning that as we mentioned, we're not CPAs. And so we're kind of just trying to give you the facts here and then maybe explain a little bit of how we think this might impact real estate or business in general. But I think at the end of the day, as you mentioned, this seems like it's affecting high income earners and we are doing a real estate podcast. So this might affect a lot of you listening out there. And so just make sure you're talking to your CPA and kind of figuring out what changes you need to make to your business in order to reduce your taxable income, to not be completely hit by this. Um, but kind of going back to the Tom Wheelwright book that we did, something that you said that I really thought was interesting was you said there's like only a few pages that talk about what to pay in taxes and the rest is talking about like how to pay less in taxes. So the tax code is some crazy amount of pages long. So yeah, I was kind of reiterate the advice I gave in that episode, which is that make sure whatever you're passively investing in or actively investing in, make sure your CPA specializes in that. 
That way they have knowledge of the tax code as it applies to whatever you're doing. So that maybe some of these things, there's other parts of the tax code that you can use to offset that or, or something. Again, I'm not a CPA. I don't know for sure, but it couldn't hurt having a CPA that specializes in apartments indications for passive investors so that they can help you reduce your taxes as much as possible. Exactly. And I was just the other night, because I'm nerdy like this, I was watching a video somebody made. I think it was a Graham Stephan video. I don't know if you ever watch his content. He's a realtor and a real estate investor out in California, now moving to Nevada. But younger guy, millennial advocate for investing, real estate business, all this stuff. Well, he made a video. It was really cool about how to pay zero in taxes legally. Again, he's not a CPA either, but these are just planting seeds, right? These are conversation topics to have with a CPA or a licensed professional, but it was really cool. He starts with just the standard deduction that we all get on our taxes and then maxing out an HSA account. And for him, it was 401k and then a solo and then a traditional. And then he goes up to, I think it was like an $80,000 income paying zero in tax. So again, it's planting seeds. It's not to say all of that is applicable to you or I. I know I wouldn't do some of that stuff that he proposed, but your point is exactly on key. Theo, find a competent CPA that you could take my blog post here, these top 10, and print it out and give it to your CPA and say, hey, how does that affect me? Or what strategies can we implement to where I do best in this new tax proposal scene? So it's stuff like that. But anyway, I'm going to cut it off because I think we're over time. But Go check out the blog post. Thank you, Theo, for all of your insight on that. And that's all I got. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. Again, that blog post is top 10 changes for real estate investors under the Biden tax plan. That is on the website, joefairless.com under that blog tab. So again, Travis, thank you so much for writing this blog post. Very detailed. As I said, you got a lot of hyperlinks in here for these as well. So you can go into more detail on what each of these different tax factors are. So Travis, again, thanks for joining me today. Best ever listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Theo. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you looking to get started in multifamily investing or looking to grow your portfolio? Nathan Tabor has created an online course that is slammed with incredibly useful and practical information. Check it out at apartments.nathantabor.com.